Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented small law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, from the team that brought you the Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Stephanie Everett. And I'm Zach Glazer. And this is episode 455 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, Stephanie interviews Brink Fiddler about emergencies in the office and preparing for the worst. Today's podcast is brought to you by Postali, Posh Virtual Receptionists, and LawPay. We wouldn't be able to do our show without their support, so stay tuned because we're going to tell you more about them later on. So, Stephanie, I, I think it would be, we'd be remiss if we led into this episode with something kind of frivolous or one of mine and, and Jennifer's uh, intros that's a little bit more happy. This, this is a very serious episode. You interview Brink Fiddler and want to just make sure people know there's some emotion coming out of this, but we, we think this is a, a really important thing to talk about as lawyers. If you'll kind of give us a little bit of what we're going to expect today. Yeah. So Brink talks about and trains schools and companies on how to prepare for what he labels active, violent situations, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of used the phrase active shooter a lot in the common space, but he says it can be beyond shooters. So mm -hmm. he uses that term active violence. You'll hear us talk about that. And this is a little bit of a tough episode. Nobody wants to talk about this, right? but just like we talk about data security or how to keep our team healthy and mental health and all the things that you know we care about so much here at Lawyerist, it felt like this was a piece that we also needed to talk about as owners of firms. How do we think about and take steps to keep our team healthy and safe mm -hmm. physically? Right. I hope that not all lawyers have had something like this, you know, something that is a uh, active violence situation happen in their office, but I certainly have. And I assume because of that, I'm not an uncommon person. I've had people threaten me. I've had people come into my office in a violent manner. Luckily, my, my dad, when he was alive, uh, was 6'3 and huge. And somebody simply had a cane, you know, and I don't mean cane walking, but they were there with a, a big stick. So we were able to deal with it. But this is something that is that I think is common, and we do need to make sure that our people and ourselves are safe. Yeah. I mean, I remember being a first-year attorney, and I was at a big law firm working on a bankruptcy case, mm -hmm. and I had a creditor who was very upset that they weren't getting the money that they were rightfully owed by my client who mm -hmm. had filed for bankruptcy, and they threatened me. And I remember the, manage, the partner at the time you know, alerting the authorities. And I was almost like a little surprised, like, oh, we take those steps, right? right? Like, I was just like, okay, we're taking this serious. So, you know, let me just share with everyone. The topic is not a fun one. I think we tried to do the interview in a way that isn't overly dramatic or maybe mm -hmm. scary. I, I will confess, you'll hear that I do get a little emotional during the interview. And you know, maybe in an unexpected place. Mm -hmm. It's one of those topics that sort of catches you off guard. 
And Brink did a nice job of acknowledging that and giving me that space Mm -hmm. to experience it because it is a hard topic. So I, I wanted to prepare our listeners. I think we talk about it in a pretty matter of fact way, but it can be sensitive for some people. Unfortunately, too many people today have had to deal with this situation or have some connection to it. So I'll just remind everyone, we have our show notes where we put the whole transcript of every episode, by the way, Mm -hmm. available to you on our website. I think this is too important to ignore. So we need people to be thinking about it. But if if listening to this one feels a little much, you know, maybe you could read about it. We could read the transcript and Mm. and get the information. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's important to say that, you know, even though my tendency a lot of times in dealing with this personally would be to bring humor to it, but this isn't, it's very serious. We do need to deal with these things, but in your own place, yeah. in your own time. And to Brink's credit, he gives some real concrete things to think about that mm-hmm. honestly I've been thinking about since we had the conversation I've shared with several people. So if you have an office of a physical space, he's going to give you some real practical tips that really anybody, even if you don't have an office, just you can use in everyday life. So Mm -hmm. it is really good information. Still sad that we have to give it, but here's your little bit of hope. I think we end on an inspirational note in a way that we can all take some action. So maybe that's the the takeaway. Okay. Well, now here is Stephanie's conversation with Brink. Yeah, my name is Brink Fiddler. I'm the owner and founder of Defend Systems in Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, Brink, I am... Okay, I'll just be honest. I usually tell people I'm excited to talk to them. And in today's situation, I've been thinking about and preparing for our conversation. And I'm like, I feel like this is a topic we need to cover, but I don't know if I'm excited about doing it. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, I tell people all the time that it's really sad that I can do this for a living. But, you know, that's the world we live in, unfortunately. Yeah. And so maybe just Tell us a little bit about what it is you do and how you approach, you know, helping people. Sure. So my company is a a life safety and security consulting firm, and we really specialize in just a few things. The primary one being active violence mitigation training for schools, corporations, healthcare, law firms, you name the organization type, we've probably trained it. We also do a little bit of law enforcement training. And then when we do physical security consulting around new or existing construction if you're wanting to improve your physical security, whether it be access control, cameras, analytics, perimeter fencing, protection dogs, all the above. Uh, We do a lot of consulting in that arena as well. Yeah. And since I know you speak on the topic a lot, what's a good way or how do you how do you even just get us started in why we need to have these conversations, even though they are kind of scary and they do freak us out and it can be triggering for some people. And so what do you tell people about why we've got to pay attention? Well, the speed with which these events unfold and then the unpredictability of where and when they occur. I mean, they happen everywhere. As you know, you can't even go to the grocery store anymore without having to think about this stuff. But the speed with which they really are over, I tell people all the time, it's really important that we focus more on the what I call the middle space. What I mean by that is we've gotten we've gotten a lot better at law enforcement training and response. We've gotten better at prevention because we're educating people. But where we're still failing miserably is in the middle, which is empowering the people that find themselves in an event like this with the knowledge of what to do. 
And that's where I focus just because they happen so fast and are over that waiting on law enforcement or hoping that law enforcement's going to get there is really not a plan anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess walk us through what are some things that we would need to know if we find ourselves in that middle situation? I think it's it starts with before you find yourself in that situation and just some easy things to do. One in particular is identify a second exit everywhere you go. And that means the grocery store. That means a restaurant. That even means your friend's house. Every single place you go, you should identify a second exit. We have a part of our brain called the primitive brain, which is where fight, flight, or freeze lives. And that's the part of your brain that really functions well under stress. The rest of your brain doesn't. But you have to give the primitive brain tools uh, with a little bit of training and forethought and what is called scripting, which is just playing stuff out in your head. So if you can do that ahead of time, just in each situation you're in as far as locating a second exit, oftentimes under stress, you won't have to think your primitive brain will just take you there. Our training is an acronym for DEFEND, which is deter, evade, fortify, evaluate, notify, and defend. So, you know, your first choice is evade if you find yourself in an event like that. Yeah. I've noticed myself now when I go to the movie theater or when I'm in an outdoor concert, I mean, just anytime I'm around other people, I've noticed that I have started thinking about what would I do if there was a situation right now? Where would I go and how would I react? And so it sounds like that's the kind of thing we need to just start thinking about more. It is. And it's sad that we have to, but we do have to. You know, our tools, we kind of prepare people for and they evade you know a lot of people use run hide fight which is fine it's better than nothing ours it's just a little bit more descriptive than that but in the evade piece this may surprise some people but your first goal is actually not simply get out of the building your first goal is to get something between you and the threat whether that's a wall a building a tree a car whatever it is you want to use the concepts of cover and concealment to shield yourself from the threat That might mean you stay in the building longer, which is totally fine. That might surprise some people as well. But the main goal is to get stuff, for lack of a better word, between you and the threat as you move. If you laser focus on getting out of the building, then you will tend to leave yourself exposed longer. What I mean by that is like a long hallway. If you see an exit door at the very end and you laser focus on getting there, well, you're leaving yourself exposed down that entire hallway as you do that. So that is not what we want to do. But evade is always your first choice. But that is assuming that you know the approximate location of the threat also. Meaning if you're on a 10th floor of a a multi-story facility and you're notified there's a shooter in the building and you don't know where they are, we don't want you running down the stairs and hoping you don't bump into them. So the evade piece is, is first, but that's assuming you know the approximate location of the threat. Yeah. Are there any other kind of common misperceptions people might have about these active violence events? They're all over the place, to be honest with you. And every time we have one, you know, where there's a lack of information, my friend and radio host, Matt Murphy, always says there will be speculation. And that's true. So it really depends on the event as far as misconceptions go. But one that is very relevant and very close to home for me that I can talk about is the Covenant School shooting in Nashville. They are a client of mine, so I did their training the year before that happened. It also hits really close, though, because, you know, I know those people, and Catherine was a friend of mine, and Will Kenny, the little boy that was killed, his dad is a friend of mine. Mm. So um, that one hits close, but one example of 
a misnomer that started floating around out there was that one of the little girls that was killed pulled the fire alarm in an effort to warn everybody. And that's just simply not true. That That is not what happened at all. I don't understand why people make stuff up. Again, back to, I guess, lack of information. There will be speculation, but I don't know if people just want to believe stuff. But usually I try not to even comment on these events for several days because a lot of the initial information that comes out always ends up being inaccurate. But I would say that a lot of people tend to exaggerate the damage or another good example that I think is a kind of a misnomer is the Metro National Police were hailed as handling the situation very quickly and responding very quickly. That is true once they entered the building. That was very fast from the time that Rex, the officer that opened the door to the time that they shot the shooter was two minutes and 15 seconds. So that, that is fast. But from the time the shooter shot through the doors and entered the building until law enforcement shot her was over 16 minutes. So that's kind of an eternity if you're a teacher or anyone in that situation and someone's trying to kill you and your kids. 16 minutes is a long time to have to perform, especially considering like Parkland, Florida, that entire shooting lasted like seven minutes. So back to the middle space, you know, having knowledge and tools of what to do if you find yourself in that situation is really the most important thing you can do to protect yourself and your family. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so far, we've sort of been talking about if you're an individual in this situation, you know, I guess we should shift because a lot of our listeners have their own business. And also, as I was preparing for our conversation today, I know of lawyers who have been threatened by either disgruntled clients or even like in one situation, they were a family law lawyer and it was the spouse of their client or soon to be, you know, former spouse of their client. So I was thinking about as lawyers, we're often in very emotional, intense situations for our clients, with our clients. And I would imagine that would also kind of elevate the risk that our law firms might experience. Is that, I mean, an accurate, I would imagine, statement? Very. Matter of fact, I just had a call with a very prominent, well-known attorney who has some serious threat issues going on currently, and they want us to come take a look at several things. I won't get into the details, but And that just happened within the last three days was that phone call. So, yeah, I mean, again, these things can happen anywhere. But as far as an industry where there's a lot of volatility just based on simply what you all do, I would say that there should be an elevated awareness around this topic and around, you know, training your people on what to do. We have trained a pretty significant size law firm here in Nashville. and. You know, initially, some of the feedback prior was people thought, well, why are we doing this or whatever? And I always tell people there's there's always in every group we train, there's three kinds of people. There are the ones that are going, why are we doing this? They're the ones that are going, meh. And then they're the ones that are going, thank God we are finally doing this. And our program, I would say, is designed to at least get the people that ask why we're doing it, at least get them to the middle. Uh, Usually it gets them all the way to the other side. But we don't come in and scare people. We're not fear mongers. We just come in and educate you and give you some data, facts, and research around the topic. And then, you know, if I'll speak y'all's language for a moment on the liability side, what is your exposure as a small firm, big firm, whatever it is, 
what's your exposure if you know this type of training is out there and you and you don't you know take the opportunity to provide it to your employees i mean i don't know is the answer osha just says you have to provide a safe working environment right but another thing that several of our clients have said management wise like there's a big uh media company i won't name them but they're boss finally decided to bring us in because she felt like she was giving her employees a skill set that she they could also use away from the workplace mm. whether they're at the mall or a concert venue with their family whatever it is so at the end of the day i would say look at it that way that you know we're not coming in trying to scare everybody but we want to give people tools at least on how to respond especially in such a volatile not just society which i've never seen volatility this high in my life but also just in the world that you guys work in. Yeah. And so, I mean, in, in that sense, you know, we do fire drills. You're taught in elementary school, go home and figure out your escape route in your house and know what you're going to do. And and so in that sense, it's just being prepared and, and going through those same exercises, but for a different threat. And I guess just to clarify, when you say everybody needs training, is it active shooter training? I mean, what kind of training are we looking for? Just so we all know what it is we need. Yeah. Active shooter is the easiest term to use. I, a lot of times we'll call it active violence because there's more things than guns out there. And I just saw an article this morning where a bunch of kindergartners were stabbed to death in China, you know? So like these things are, you know, active violence is everywhere, but the term that most people understand and adhere on a regular basis is active shooter. But that can also sound intimidating or whatever to some people. So we usually call our program intruder action training and just give you tools on how to deal with that. Makes sense. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to shift a little bit more into some of the office environment, things we should think about. The Lawyers Podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists. As an attorney, do you ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call while you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting, or schedule an appointment with a client while you're elbow deep in an important case. Well, that's where Posh comes in. Posh is a team of professional, U.S.-based live virtual receptionists who are available 24-7, 365. They answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. With Posh handling your calls, you can devote more time to billable hours and building your law firm. And the convenient Posh app puts you in total control of when your receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is always just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Even better, Posh is extending a special offer to Lawyerist listeners. Visit posh.com forward slash Lawyerist to learn more and start your free trial of Posh Live Virtual Receptionist Services. That's posh.com forward slash Lawyerist. And by LawPay. Don't be the last to discover why the legal industry is raving about LawPay Pro. Say goodbye to manually recording your working hours and chasing down late payments. Accurately track time, reclaim billable hours, and get paid faster with all the billing and invoicing features you need in one easy-to-use tool. Plus, plans start as low as $19 per month per user. Visit www.lawpay.com slash lawyerist to learn more. And by Postali. At Lawyerist, we know marketing is an essential piece of a firm's growth strategy. While marketing may be on your radar, the branding process is often glossed over. Our partners at Postali can develop your law firm brand. Postali is a full-service marketing agency working with attorneys nationwide. 
Their team will guide you through an exercise and then deliver a blueprint that powers your firm's internal operations, visual identity, and marketing efforts. Branding is more than just a logo and color palette. Taking the time to define your target audience, vision, and core values will ensure that you have a well-aligned internal team ready to help you set and achieve your growth goals. Visit postdolly.com slash branding to get started. I'm back with Brink, and unfortunately, we're covering a topic that I feel like we needed to cover. I mean, we talk about having a healthy business all the time on this show. And when I saw Brink speak, I was like, you know, this is a topic. Nobody wants to talk about it, but we really need to. We need to be aware as business owners. It's another level of the toolkit that we need to bring to our team. And so I'm, I'm glad that you're here educating us. And one of the things, you know, we talked, we were just talking about, we need to get our team trained, but if, I feel like there's also some things we should probably be doing to our physical space that we might not think of, or we might take for granted. So in that sense, what are some of the kind of easy things that people should be thinking about when they are thinking about their office space? I would just say, think of it in layers, right? The more layers you have, the more protected you are. That's the way most security is designed, whether it's physical security around the White House or physical security around a person, like a VIP protection type thing. The commonality and the common spoken language in that industry or in our industry is layers, but non-security types can understand that, right? Think of it as an onion. So we want to, first and foremost, ideally stop them from getting in. A lot of businesses have access control, you know, electronic access control, badge, card readers, different types, right? But a lot of those same businesses will have that access control on giant sets of glass doors. That's keeping your criminals of opportunity out. But obviously, as we saw in the Covenant School shooting and several others, Sandy Hook was the same. Glass is a weak point, period, as far as forced entry goes. And so having some sort of forced entry protection on your glass, if you do have glass, is highly recommended. There are several out there. There's different types of laminates, i.e. window films. There's some polycarbonate stuff out there that some of it's person resistant, but not bullet resistant. But then there's all the way up to level eight bullet resistant polycarbonate stuff that's out there that will stop a 7.62 round. So I would say figure out what your level of need is, but also all those products are not created equal. And the most important thing about forced entry protection for glass is the installation of the product. So there's a lot of good salesmen out there. I would just say prior to making a purchase or spending money on that, I would do a little bit of research. One thing we like to do is test those products independently of the manufacturer because, you know, there again, a lot of good salespeople out there. So we have tested products from both 3M as well as Defense Light. Yeah, I can send you some links if you want to include them for people to just take a look at. We are fans of both of those, those particular yeah. products. But I would say it starts there, really, like keep them out. However, all the physical security in the world is great. But for the industry y'all are in, there's a great probability that the person could already be in your office, right? Because of whatever's happening. It could be a client. It could be, you know, the higher likelihood, to be honest with you, is the is ex-spouse of one of your employees or ex-boyfriend, girlfriend, things like that, that might know how to get in. So, again, back to do the people in the building know what to do? physical security is important. 
seeing them coming before they get there is really helpful too. So that would go to camera systems, surveillance. CCTV is a great force multiplier if you have somebody watching it, you know, not Mm -hmm. just to tell you what happened afterwards. Makes sense. Those seem smart and like easy things for people to to start thinking about anything else when we kind of think about that office security layers that might not be top of mind for us because we don't think about this every day? Well, just that most people don't have a lot of knowledge around what's out there and what's available. There are a lot of analytics that can run on existing camera systems that are real force multipliers that will tell you, you know, if you want to know if there's motion in one corner of the parking garage or one section of your perimeter fence, there are analytics that can tell you that facial recognition software is out there. And that scares a lot of people because they don't understand it. Like facial recognition software does not scan my face when I walk up to your law firm and tell you that Brink Fiddler is here because it's never seen me before. People think that's what facial recognition is. They're saying, oh, look, there's Stephanie. Well, no. Unless you have an image uploaded or you've seen that person previously, but where it becomes a real force multiplier is if you have a problematic, whatever, ex-employee, ex-client, current client, you can upload their image into your system. And then if any camera on your system detects that face, it can send you an alert immediately. And so that's a real force multiplier where you don't have to have somebody watching the cameras all the time. But again, those facial recognition analytics are not all created equal either. We like to test all those as well. So people just don't have an education, really, is the biggest thing. I will plug one firm that I use all the time, and I won't use anybody else. They're here in Nashville. They're called Herring Technology, H-E-R-R-I-N-G. They are the best I've found in the industry. They're, they go nationwide, but they do some massive clients that your audience would certainly know. Right. And they're fantastic, and they can't get rid of me <laughs> because... They kill everybody on customer service. There's a lot of people that will come in and put cameras in or access control, but they, like I, like to test all this stuff too and try and break it first. So that's how kind of how we found each other. But if you're looking for an edu- even an, just an education, they're going to be your go-to for that for sure. Nice. One of the things I know you talk about kind of shifting gears a little bit as we start to wrap up is this idea of a warrior mindset. And I would love for you to just share that with our audience because I I think, well, it resonated with me. So maybe you could tell us what, what you mean by that and why we should be thinking that way. Sure. I introduced that in the in the last part of the acronym, which is the DEFEND. So assuming you're a lockdown, uh, we call it fortify. But if you're locked down in an office, the shooter breaches, forces their way through the door, or you're stuck in a hallway and you have to take on that person you have two choices. You can either take them on or not. And of course, not means you're, you're choosing not to live. And I think that that's not, that's not most people, you know, most people have a desire to live and go back to their families. And so I try and explain to people that you have to take on that warrior mindset in that moment. And this does live in everybody. It's just simply a choice to call it up. And it's basically, they will not take your life. You will not give up. You will not stop. You will live through this. You will see your loved ones again. You will win. And the one that I really try and drive it home for people is that they need to understand that right now you accept injury over death. And I know that seems like a pretty basic and elementary principle, but the reason we hesitate as humans in life to do certain physical things is a fear of getting hurt. Well, you're probably going to get injured if you're taking on a gunman that's trying to kill you. Like, so what? Right. Just own it right now. 
And it's really well illustrated for me by two particular quotes that I like and I use in the training. Uh, one is by a UFC fighter. He says, I don't know how I'm going to win. I just know I'm not going to lose. Right. But my favorite is the following. The devil whispered, you cannot withstand the storm. And the warrior replied, I am the storm. And that's the mindset shift in the moment of this person is not ready for me. And that's true. I mean, we see it time and again that when people take on these, these shooters, they're not ready for it. They have no plan for that. And it typically ends the attack. Sometimes the initial person taking them on does obviously get killed. But the alternative of not taking them on is terrible, right? I mean, one of the teachers in Sandy Hook shoved all of her kids in a bathroom and, and shielded them with her body. But what do you think he did, right? I mean, I understand her mindset, but we have to get in the warrior mindset of ready to fight, defend ourselves, and defend anybody with us. Yeah, and I didn't expect to get emotional in our conversation, and I'm sure you're, um, I'm sure you're used to that. But sorry, no, it's fine. It's a dark world, right? Like I, I walk a dark space. It's tough for me. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, I did a walkthrough of the covenant school two days after that happened and the victims were gone, but their DNA evidence wasn't gone, you know, and that belongs to people I know. I mean, this is, it's heavy. It's a, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But at the end of the day, like I told myself, if I don't do this, there could have been information in that school that I needed that could affect somebody's life down the road. And I'll work through the trauma piece. That's, that's me, but that's usually what I've, end on a lot of times is don't overlook that piece. If you're an organization, don't overlook the mental health piece of this because, you know, this is very obviously traumatic, right? I mean, people that experience mental trauma are 15 times more likely to commit suicide. So as an organization on that note, don't overlook that part. If you have an event like this, you need to be prepared and have an, another organization ready to come in and, and help y'all work through that piece of it. Because no matter how, big and bad you think you are as a human you can never unsee or unexperience what you've seen and experienced and we didn't understand that with our veterans that's why we have an epidemic of suicide in that community so i would say please don't overlook that part of this surviving the event is not always surviving the event yeah and it it angers me it's probably a great word that you know that we have to have this conversation that recently i had a sleepover for my daughter when she turned 12 and I listened to sixth graders sit around the breakfast table and talk about what they would do in a real active shooter situation because they had been through enough drills that they were like, well, here's what I'm going to do. And, you know, this was just like how I would talk about going to the mall with my friends. And, you know, there's a pain in my stomach when I hear these things. But maybe the reason I was so emotional when you when you talked about that warrior mindset is I'd like to think that that would be my reaction, that I would go fight like hell before I let anything happen to somebody else. And, you, you know, you don't know until you're in that situation. But I think it's important that we at least have these conversations as difficult as they are, because it could save our life or our loved one's life one day. Yeah. And I would, I asked this question, you know, as you know, in the training, if you're a parent, raise your hand. It's a lot easier to call up that warrior mindset if you imagine your child being behind you you have it in you, you want to get back to her, right? You know, earlier you brought up fire drills. You know, it's been over 60 years since we've lost a child in a school fire because we as a society, we did something. You know, we passed code and law and fire inspection and fire marshal and life safety. And you can't even think about building a building without all that taken into consideration. We haven't done that in this space. It's overdue that we need to, to take it a little more seriously. 
just on from a design perspective and protocol perspective. And I think the reason we haven't is the sting wears off because of the amount of media we have access to now at our fingertips that we're, we're inundated with, you know, 30,000 bad stories a year. So the last one, the sting wears off. I mean, after Uvalde, our phones blew up and I would say maybe 15% of those actually ended up booking us for training by the time school rolled around. Cause that was the last day of school. Same with covenant. We had a lot jump up and down afterwards. And then, a few have gone by the wayside, not as many. I mean, we, we are booked solid all the way through November. <laughs> my life's going to be crazy, but it's got a sting. And so my ask, I guess, of your audience would be ask what your workplace is doing, ask what your kid's school is doing, and be vocal about it. And I feel like we as a society owe it to every single victim of these to be better at this. And that starts with everybody getting involved. I love it. That's a great place to wrap up. Thank you for coming in and educating on us on this, which is not easy and not fun, but necessary. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thanks for giving me the time. The Lawyerist Podcast is edited by Brittany Felix. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com forward slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com forward slash community forward slash lab to schedule a 10-minute call with our team to learn more. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. Thank you.